Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. What's up, Simple Church? My name is Aaron DeLong, the lead pastor here. So glad you guys are with us today. Uh, We are kicking off a brand new series today uh, called our Summer Series. Pretty simple, huh? Hey, this series is uh, really not going to have like a main theme going through it. It's just a collection of messages that we have put together, and we are believing that we'll come together every Sunday, and God's going to have something uh, incredible for us. So today we're going to start off uh, that series talking about the power of God. Before I do that, though, I want to take just a moment. Today is Father's Day, and we want to greet all of our dads, especially if you're in our online campus. Over here in the comment section, give it up for the dads. Give them a whoop whoop or woohoo or a well done dad or something. But uh, thanks, dads, for all that you do. We hope that uh, that you signed up before because yesterday was the day you picked up. Uh, if you registered, you got to pick up a free car wash and a yummy treat, and uh, I've already uh, eaten my yummy treat because they were delivered to my house on Thursday, and um, since I'm a dad and I signed up, I went ahead and had mine, and it was good. Yes, it was. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day celebrating with your families and your children, and uh, God's blessing just be upon you, and maybe, <laughs> maybe... Maybe your family will love you enough to let you get a nap in. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Jesus took naps. It's important that you take naps. So anyway, well, we are going to kick off this, uh, this series, uh, our summer series, with a message on the power of God. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at the miracle of Jesus because I believe that when we look at the miracles of the past, that it can build our faith in the future and impact us today. So we're going to see God, we're going to look to see God through uh, more than just a lens of God being good, of God being gracious, of God being generous. Um, we, w- we want to look through this lens, look at what he did, look who he really is, and see him as powerful because I think a lot of times we forget that God is powerful. That's kind of reflected in some of our terminology and the way that we talk about prayer or even talking to God and saying, well, all we can do now is pray. Well, that's why, I mean, prayer is like the most powerful thing you can do. Inviting God into the situation is the most powerful thing you can do because he is all powerful. And I think we forget that at times. So I think it's important that we go back, we look at his power that was on display then and realize that it is actually for us today as well. So let me set up the scene of this miracle that Jesus does. Uh, First of all, Jesus and his crew, his disciples, are out and are doing ministry. That means that they were going around, they were preaching good news, they were healing people and doing good things. In fact, Jesus Jesus raised uh, people from the dead, he healed the sick, the lame walked, the blind saw. Uh, and, and, and in fact, at the end of one of the Gospels, it said that if, all, if everything that Jesus did was written down, the, there just would be not enough books to contain all the things that he did. Jesus went around and did good, and he taught his disciples, his followers, to do the same. And so they're, they're, they're doing this ministry, and it's time for a rest, which I don't know about you, but, but I love that Jesus builds in time for he and his team to rest. It's so important that you do that, that not only you rest, but you lead others into rest as well. Different message for a different time, but he hops into a boat. 
So he and his disciples can rest and they sail across the Sea of Galilee and they go to the other side. And here's what happens. What always happens to Jesus, as soon as he gets out on land, crowds showed up. They found out where he was. And here's the thing. I think Jesus must have forgot to turn his location services off on Snapchat because everybody knew where he was. Everybody was always able to track him down. And no wonder when you go around doing good, when you go around healing people, and the blind, the blind see, the lame walk, the deaf hear, like whether you need any of those kind of touches from God or not, you want to see. There's a craving and a desire inside of you to experience and see the miraculous happen. And so crowds would throng him on a regular basis. And that's what happened in this time. He gets out of the boat after having rest with, rested with his disciples and the crowds mob him and they wanted to be part of that. I know that if I was around during the time that Jesus walked this earth in human form, I would have been doing the same thing. I would have been on him like paparazzi watching everything that he was doing. How about you? If you would, share over here in the comments. Don't leave me hanging. I, I wanna know, what would you do? What length would you go to to have got a look at Jesus? We know one guy during, during Jesus' time, his name was Zacchaeus. He was a little guy, so he climbed up in a tree because he was desperate to see him. What would you do to get a peek at Jesus and what he was gonna do? Well, this is what people did, tons of them. And they followed after Jesus, and Jesus... Uh, all of a sudden, he's doing all this ministry stuff. He's already rested. He's refreshed. And now what Jesus wants to do is to step into the catering business because there's tons of people here. It's getting to be evening time, and Jesus wants to feed everybody. And so uh, his disciples, though, they did not. They did not want to feed him. They said, you know, it's early enough in the evening, Jesus. We could just send them home. We could send, I mean, they could make it to the market. They could get some food. And maybe some of them have food. And they would be willing to share it with each other. And, and you know, the, the ones that don't and need to go home, they can make it home by now, you know. So Jesus just, like, let's, let's not do that. But Jesus, moved by compassion, tells his disciples to go and find some food. And, of course, they know that even if they worked for a year, they couldn't get enough money together to feed everybody. But... They obey, and so Jesus tells Philip, go tell everybody to find food, and so they do, and uh, they go out, and they find, and Andrew finds a kid who's got five loaves of bread and two fish. Now, did a little research, and I discovered that five loaves and two fish is the equivalent of a combo number one at Long John Silver's, so that's what we're going to call it for the rest of this time. This kid's got a combo number one, and Andrew brings him to Jesus and says, hey, look, this kid's got it. It's probably not enough. We can all get a little nibble, but we've got a combo number one. And so the kid willingly gives it, which you know was likely his meal or his family's meal for the day. And, uh, and Jesus, of course, says that that's fine. He takes it. And uh, even though the disciples were sure that wasn't enough, and, and I just want you to imagine this moment. I want you to imagine this moment, the impracticality of it all. Jesus gets a combo number one from this kid. He starts having all the people sit down and he's gonna pray over it and he's gonna, he's gonna bless it and all these people are gonna eat. Now the, the crowd that day was massive. There were thousands of them there. But when we look at this situation through the eyes of humanity, we see that a combo number one was insufficient. But when we take time to look at this situation through the eyes of divinity, which is what Jesus was, we can see that a combo number one was enough. And so Jesus accepted it, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it, and he fed everyone. And they even had 12 baskets of leftover at the end. Come on, somebody. Now that's power that's on display. 
I don't know about you, but I could use some power like that in my life. I've got some miracles that I need. I've got some places and spaces that I am willing to give God so that he can bless it, so that he can break it, so he can give it, so he can multiply it, so he can do whatever he needs to do to see his power move in those situations. How about you? Could you use that kind of power? Share it here, here in the comment section. Tell us, what is it you would need power for? Would you need power for your marriage that has been broken and dying for years? Do you need power for a health issue that it's robbed you of life, it's robbed you of opportunity, it's robbed you of a good attitude? Do you need power for your finances that are a mess, that you're in way over your head, there's no way out, you don't even have enough money to buy food for the kids? Do you need power for your kids who are long gone, that won't even talk to you anymore, they've completely disowned you or they're out running wild? Do you need God's power for your friend who is strung out on drugs? That person that you love so dearly, they've lost everything and now they're trying to lose you as well. What about your friend who's addicted to pornography or maybe it's you that's addicted to pornography and you've tried to quit and you can't do it and it's escalating and getting worse and now you're desperate. Look, you need something that is beyond yourself. You need the power of God and you could have it fixed by now, if you had the power to fix it, but you simply don't. You need God, his miracle power to work in your life. So we're gonna talk about that today. There is power, God's power that is available to us. And when we look at this story, we know that there is a way that makes it possible for God's power to play out in our lives. Now, by the way, this is not a vending machine kind of message where in a formulaic message where if you do this, 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 and this, it makes God do this, that he's bound to do that. Listen, God is sovereign. That means he does what he wants to, but we need to know, know that, that uh, a few things, and I'll get into it. So don't, don't hear it through that lens. Know that God's still gonna do what he wills to do, but there's a way that you can position yourself into God's will in order for you to experience God's power. So check it out. The first thing you need to do is to, there are four keys. First key is accepting your role. Accepting your role. You know, everybody in this story uh, had a role. Every, everybody that, that experienced the miracle, they all had a role. Check it out. This is the story as it's found in John chapter six, verses five through 10. It said, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. This is just after they get off the boat, by the way. And turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, watch this, for he already knew what he was going to do. And Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with a combo number one. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Jesus responds, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Now, this story is also told in the book of Mark, and, it, and it's just worth taking a look at. There's some additional details here. Mark chapter 6, 39 through 40. Then Jesus directed them to all have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. So let's just look at the story real quick, okay? Because each one of them had a role. Was the role? Jesus. Jesus is the miracle worker, right? Jesus gives direction. Uh, this is not a miracle that he's ever performed before, but the Bible says he knew what he was going to do. Miracle. Boom. That's Jesus, okay? That's his role, right? Then we've got Philip. Philip is the guy that Jesus turned to and said, go tell the rest of the disciples to find some food. 
And even though he knew, hey, we don't have enough money for this, he was still obedient. So he goes and does that, right? So we've got Jesus, we've got Philip. Then there's Andrew. Andrew's the one who finds the boy. He's the one who ultimately gets him. And though I feel like when I read this, and though maybe it's just my bent, when he brings the boy with the combo number one, the five loaves and two fish, when he brings them to Jesus, I kind of feel like there's a little bit of sarcasm going, here you go, Jesus. I don't often feel like it's faith that he brought the little boy, but it was obedience for sure. There was that. So he obeys, he brings the boy to Jesus, and then the boy, the boy has a role here. He's the one with the combo number one. He could have said, nah, that's mine. Nah, that belongs to my family. I'm supposed to go home. Everybody's waiting on me to have bring dinner. We have no idea what he, why he had it, the purpose of having it. We know, obviously, it was to eat, but the boy had a role here to either choose to give it to Jesus or say no, and he chose to do that. And then we got the crowd. So we look at the scripture, and it says that there were 5,000 uh, men alone, meaning, meaning that, that, that there, was, there was not 5,000 men by themselves. It means alone there was 5,000 men. There was a massive crowd here. So theologians who look at this said it is likely that the number is, was really, when you count women and children into the crowd, it was about 15,000 people. So they have a role to sit down in groups of 50s and 100s. And I don't know if you've ever tried to wrangle a group of 50 people to sit down or to be obedient or to move in a certain direction, but they all had a role to be obedient as well, to sit down in groups of 50s and 100s. And how you sort that out times 15,000 people well, you do the math. That's quite a bit of groups, and that's quite a bit of maneuvering to do. The fact of the matter is, is that this miracle could have fallen apart at any point if they all hadn't played their role. If they all hadn't been obedient, the crowd never would have experienced the miracle at all. And so here's what I'm saying to you today. You have a role in your miracle. You have a role in the miracle that you'll experience in, in your church experiencing the power of God and the people that are gonna come to your church and the work that your church will do, you have a role. Whatever that looks like, God is looking to do a miracle and he needs you to play your part. In order for God to do what he can do, in other words, he wants you to do what you can do. I'll say it to you this way. If you wanna see the supernatural in life, then you do the natural and let God do the super. I love that. I'll say it again. Say it to you again. If you want to see the supernatural in life, then you do the natural and let God do the super. Now, for me, I, I, I'll tell you this. this just love this story. Uh, it just, I just heard it this past week. There was a pastor who uh, discovered some funds in an account, and he said, Aaron, I feel like uh, the Lord is leading me to give these funds away. He said, uh, I feel like I want to give some to a food pantry. He said, I feel like I want to give some to an orphanage. And then I've got this other amount right here that I've targeted for a pastor specifically, not a church, but a pastor. And he said, I'm going to begin praying about who I can give that to and see. And I was like, you know what? Maybe you should talk to you know, the head of one of the heads of our network and see if he knows somebody. So, so I directed him to do that. He does that. <clears throat> and, uh, and through that conversation, they identified another pastor who, through the coronavirus, he and his wife had lost their income and, the, and their job, but he's still pastoring and doing things. And, 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 uh, and so he says, you know, I think he'd be a good target. So my friend calls him up and says, Pastor, I would love to bless you. I've got some money. Can I come over tomorrow? Sure. So he makes, makes the call, and, uh, and, and he heads over to the house, and that pastor thought it was going to be $100, $200, or something else, and he did not know that my friend was bringing him a check for $900. Now, here's why this matters. Check it out. 
my friend was being obedient to what the Lord was telling him to do with some funds that he found in an account at his church to, to divvy it out and be a blessing this way. And then he was obedient in finding, and so, so the head of our network, of our church network, had a role to play, and he connected him with this guy. This guy had a role to play to say, yeah, I'll receive, I'll meet with you. And when he got there, he found out that that morning before he called him, the man had a problem with his truck, and it had to go to a repair shop. The repair was going to be $810. And the man was like, the pastor was like, I'm not really sure where I'm going to get the money from it. I haven't worked since Corona. And after he got that call, my friend called him and said, hey, I've got some money for you. Well, he didn't know how much it was. And when they, got, they met up and got together, he gave him the check, and it was for $900. And the pastor who received it said, I'm going to tithe on this, which good man. He said, do you know how much that leaves me? And my friend said, no. He said, that leaves me $810 because I'm going to tithe. That's a tenth. So I'm going to give $90 to the church of this 900. He said, that leaves me with $810. He said, do you know how much the truck repair was for? And my friend said, no. He said, $810. And they both said that they just wept. What a miracle that God did. And that just happened this week. And so I believe that God wants to do miracles like that in your life. I, want, I believe that he has a role for you to play, for you to be part of someone else's miracle or for you to receive a miracle yourself. So you gotta start asking yourself the question and asking God, God, what is my role? We all have a role to play, so be obedient to the Holy Spirit. When you ask that question, he may identify your role for you. It may be on a day-to-day basis, and if you're willing to, man, you can adventure with Jesus that way. Say, Holy Spirit, what would you have for me to do today? What, what do you got for me to do? Man, what a wonderful adventure and life with Christ that would be. But big or small, regardless of what it is, each of us has a role in what God wants to do and the miracles and the power he wants to put on display here in this earth. So ask God, what is your role? The next key to experiencing God's power is expect God's best. Expect God's best. I've heard uh, one pastor say that the atmosphere of expectancy so, so the atmosphere that you create where you are expecting God's best is a breeding ground for miracles. And I believe that that's true. That when you expect God's best, you find it, that God can deliver that. That's called faith, right? We believe that God's gonna do his best. Now in this situation in the story of the feeding of the 5,000 or the 15,000, it far exceeded anybody's expectations. Because see, when Jesus sent Philip out, to get food, you have to understand that Philip was probably thinking they might find enough food for everybody to have a snack, like a little nibble, something to get them home, get them, get them safe on the journey, or get to a local market before they get food. Certainly not a meal <clears throat> for 15,000 people, by the way, with 12 baskets full of leftovers. So, but here's the thing. Jesus did not provide a snack. Look at the text again. It says this in John 6, 11 through 13. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish. And they all, 15,000 of them, ate as much as they wanted. And after everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. I love that about Jesus. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps led by the people are left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Leftovers. A combo number one, which should have been enough for everybody to have a little bite. Now, I get it. 
if you wanted to feed like a crowd of people with a combo number one, because you could let them get in there. You go to Long John Silver's, you get in that box, and they put all these little crispin things in there. All it is is the batter that got fried, but they, they put in a whole bunch of that along with the French fries and the hush puppies and the, dear God, I'm going to have to stop by there on the way home. But anyway, they put it in there along with the fish or the chicken that you get, and there's just a bunch of little crispins. So somebody could have had a taste, but not 15,000 people. But this fed 15,000 with 12 baskets of leftovers. That's who God is. He is a God who is a God who does exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. That's who God is. That's who the apostle Paul describes him as. He, you, you can't even fathom the power that God has, what he's able to do and what he wants to do. You simply cannot. Unfortunately and sadly though, I don't think we approach our relationship with God, nor do we approach him expecting that kind of power. We simply don't. We, we put God's power into our frame of reference. And our frame of reference is based on the things that we've seen and the things we've experienced. We expect our best, not God's best. And when we need a miracle, sadly enough, we settle for just anything, any kind of meager response. But what we need to do is start seeing the possibility and the outcome of that situation that we need a miracle in through God's eyes, through his frame of reference, through his possibility, and that is through his limitless power. We have to remember that his power is beyond our comprehension. And as Isaiah 55 says this in verse nine, for just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts, they're higher than your thoughts. God doesn't do things like us. He doesn't think like us, he doesn't act like us, and he's not limited by us. I'm glad that I can't understand God because if I could understand God, which is what a lot of you want to do before you'll give your life to him and trust him, but if I could understand God, if you could understand God, if you could make sense of all of his ways and all of his thoughts, that would make you God. But that's the nature of being an almighty, all-knowing, all-present God is that you understand things, he knows things, has experienced in things that I can never know or understand. He is God. There are stuff you're walking through right now and you don't understand it. You don't understand the purpose of it. You don't understand God's plan for how to use it. You can't see all that, but God sees it. He knows it. So as we expect God's best, if we learn to approach our needs with his frame of reference, we've gotta start asking ourselves this question. Do I trust God? I mean, it's easy to trust God when everything's going well, isn't it? It's easy when your marriage is good. It's easy when your kids are, are getting the best, best spots on the team and their grades are great and they love Jesus and they lift their hands and they worship, sitting on the front row with you every Sunday. It's really good when the money's coming in, things are going well, the markets are up. It's really good when you've got a job and you're, you seem to be on the rise and you're fond in favor with your boss. It's easy to trust when all things are good. There's little trust required there. It's even harder though. It's hard to trust when clarity and understanding are taken from us. When we find ourselves in a place we just simply can't explain it. We find ourselves in a place where we need God's miracles, miracle power. So back to our story, any of them, that were there that day, the 15,000, Jesus' disciples, even Jesus, any of them would have settled for a snack. That They all would have settled for that. It would have still been a miracle that they had a snack out of a combo number one, but that was not God's best. 
receiving God's best requires what Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, not some of them, in all of your ways, acknowledge him. That's a priority thing, by the way. It's acknowledging him first. It's acknowledging him in your finances, in your marriage, in your relationships, in your purpose. It's acknowledging him on the job. It's acknowledging him with your day. It's acknowledging him. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Like, God, what would you have me do with this? Hey, God, lead me. This is all yours. I'm just a steward. What do you want me to do with it? It's acknowledge him. In all your ways, in everything that you do, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. In other words, he'll he'll lay that, that out there. And this is a great verse. This is a verse you probably got on your refrigerator hanging somewhere in your house. It's a good family verse. It's a good verse until things don't make sense. When understanding is gone, until your health goes sideways, until the coronavirus hits, until a loved one passes, this is a great verse. We trust God with all our heart until, until there's some confusing times. It's hard to do in those times, but it is a choice. You can choose to trust God because even in the confusing times, even in the difficult times, God's not absent. So don't lean on your own understanding. Your understanding is simply based on things you've seen and experienced and God's best has nothing to do with what you've seen or experienced. Come on, give me an amen over here. I'm preaching good today. This is some good stuff. You need to listen to this again. So if you're in the 10 o'clock service, join us at the 12 o'clock or the 6 p.m. Get this in your heart. Get it in your spirit. Let this be part of who you are, not just this summer, but every day. Amen, everybody? So accept your role. Expect God's best. And the next key to experiencing God's power in your life is see the big picture. You know, whatever miracle God is going to do for you or through you isn't just to benefit you. There is a bigger picture here. In the story of feeding the 5,000, it wasn't just for them. God cared about their stomachs. He cared about their physical beings, right? God, God knows the number of hairs that are on your head. He knows you intimately is what scripture says. And he wants you to know him intimately as well. He desires that, but he knows everything about you, he cares about every single part of you in your physical being, but he's more concerned about your spiritual need. He's more concerned about that part of you that needs to have your sins forgiven, that part of you that needs to connect with him, that part of you that longs to connect with him. Look at John 6, 14. He says, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he's the prophet we have been expecting. See, there's a God-shaped hole in all of us that is longing to have that space and that place filled by a relationship with God. And here's what happened. When they saw the miracles, when they experienced the feeding, when their, their physical need was taken care of, then their hearts were opened and their eyes were opened to see this is the God we've been looking for. This is what I've been longing for. This is why we as a church, we say, if we see a need, we meet it. and we find a hurt, we heal it. Because doing those things is what opens people's hearts to receiving a relationship with God, something that they long for. And in this story, their stomach got filled. Their need got met. They received a miracle. And there was ultimately a bigger picture here, though. The bigger picture was about a God who wanted to forgive their sins. A bigger picture about a God who wanted relationship with them restored. He wanted them to place their faith in his son, Jesus. And through the miracle for their stomachs, God did a bigger miracle in their hearts. And whatever miracle it is that you need today, whatever miracle it is, your miracle will touch people's hearts. It will open doors. It will remove barriers to people hearing about Jesus. I'm telling you, 
It's, it, it, is, it is the case. I, I, I know of several situations where, where man, God will make a way for you and, and you'll get a healing, maybe a miraculous healing. And there's, there's doctors that are going to have to know that they had a report that you were sick or that there was no way you could have lived through it. We've got one of those situations here in our church. The Graves family, they have a son that was born to them. His name is Falcon. And Falcon was not expected to live, not very long at all. And now Falcon's lived for many, many months. In fact, the doctors kept coming to the parents and saying, hey, listen, I don't have a lot of hope for this situation. I don't have a lot of hope that he's gonna make it through the night. I don't think he's gonna make it through the next surgery. I don't think he's gonna make it through the next breath. And they kept on giving them a report, but you know what? This is a praying family, and they're part of a praying church, and we expected God to do his best. And here's the bigger picture, that there are staff members, there are nurses, there are doctors, there are people who knew the report about Falcon, that this child should be dead by now. And let me tell you something. You know what happened in this past week? Falcon came home. He's alive. He's thriving. They're even removing him off of some of the monitors, and he is thriving as a child. The report of the enemy was a lie, and God is good and has done a miracle there. And let me tell you something. The impact and the effect that Falcon's life alone, the miracle child that he is, has had on people is still yet to be told. It's yet to be told. So the question becomes, Who do I share my miracle with? That's the question you have to start asking. There is someone that God intends for you to share your miracle with. And I know for a fact that in Falcon's case, there's many people who experience the miracle that is his life. And there's many people who need to experience the miracle that God is going to do in your life. We need to share our miracle with someone. We need this mindset. David prayed this. Now that I'm old and gray, do not abandon me, O God. Let me proclaim your power to this new generation, your mighty miracles to all who come after me. We need this mind frame and this mindset that says this miracle is not just about me. It's about me declaring God's power. It's about me declaring God's miracles to the people around me so that they know, hey, this is the situation. And God stepped in and gave me a miracle. And now Everything has changed. Man, your very life is a miracle. What Jesus did for you on a cross, on the cross, is a miracle that you were far from God and Jesus paid the price. You received that gift. Your sins are forgiven. You're made brand new and now you have a vibrant and thriving relationship with God and a life that is full and fulfilled. My goodness, what a miracle. It's not about you. So we need to accept our role. We need to believe for God's best and we need to see the bigger picture. And the last key, here it is, is believe that God wants to. Man, look at the story. You know, Jesus had options here in this situation. He could have sent people home. He could have said to them, nah, I'm gonna let them miss the meal. You know, it won't kill them to not eat tonight. It'll be fine. I mean, like, have you ever heard of fasting? Duh, disciples, like, you know, this is a spiritual thing. So he could have forced fasting on them or just let them fend for themselves. Or said, you know, if you got some food, share it with one another. Be kind to one another. Goodbye and thank you and good night. And Jesus didn't do that, though. He had options. He didn't have to do the miracle. He wanted to. In fact, the Bible says he already knew what he was going to do. He already had a plan laid out. He knew. I'm going to get a combo number one, and I'm going to bless it. We're going to do a miracle here. People's lives are going to be changed. Their, their bellies are going to be full. Their, their lives are going to be changed. <laughs> what a powerful thing. So, so ask yourself this question. Do, do I believe that God wants to do a miracle in my life? Do I believe that God wants to do a miracle on my behalf? This is a hard question. This is a tough one because the answer may surprise you because I think some of you are gonna ask that question and you're gonna say no. 
No, I believe God wants to do miracles for others. Like, I'll pray. I've got faith for God to do things in other people's lives. But I guess I don't, at my core, believe that God wants to do a miracle for me. And as a result, you lack faith. You won't ask. You won't ask somebody else to join you in prayer over the miracle that you need in your life. Like we have people here at this altar every Sunday at the end of service. We have people right now in this online campus that can pray for you. And there's many of you that have a need and you simply won't ask for prayer. Why? Is it because you, you believe that you're unworthy of God's power in your life? Do you, do you believe you don't deserve it? Do you believe that maybe you've, you, you're too far gone or maybe you've done too much or that, that what you're going through now is your punishment and you, and you deserve the pain that you're going through, that, that for some reason that God would withhand, withhold his hand from you but would give it to someone else, you're just not the favorite kid? Those are lies. Let me tell you what scripture says about you. God calls you worthy. Grace gives you what you don't deserve and mercy holds back what you do deserve. Jesus' blood wasn't just to forgive you but to redeem you and add value to your life. He took your punishment on himself on the cross. There's no punishment that is owed to you if you're a Christ follower. He loves you and he wants to do miracles in your life through his power. That's the truth that you need to start accepting. Some of you right now, you need to hit the button that says right here in our online campus, it says "Pray live prayer. Somebody pray with me right now. And our service hosts and our pastors are here. They're, they want to pray with you. If you're on Facebook, just, just type it in. Say, man, I need prayer right now. Somebody will grab a chat box with you or get a phone number to you. We, we want to pray with you. You can submit a prayer request through our Connect card if you want to, if you don't want to chat with anybody. And we can just be praying over a thing. Like, man, begin to believe that God wants to let his power work in you, through you, and for you. Begin to believe that. He wants to do miracles in your life through his power. John 10.10 10 says, the thief's purpose. <coughs> the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. That's the devil. He's the enemy of your soul. He wants to rob you. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy anything and everything that you have in your life. The people that you love, your opportunities, your favor, your finances, your marriage, your children. He wants to kill it all. Destroy it because God loves you so much. But check it out what the verse continues on. It says, my purpose, this is Jesus talking, his purpose was to give them or is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Some other translations say life and life more abundantly. And another one says, this is my favorite, a full and fulfilled life. Man, you need the power of God at work in your life in order for you to even be able to experience that. A full and fulfilled life. That's here on this earth. And then of course there's eternity in heaven that is waiting for you as well. There's a better version of life here that Jesus has for you than you ever expected. Do you believe that? He wants good things for you. He wants to do miracles in you, through you, and for you. If you want to experience God's power, you need to accept your role. You need to believe for God's best. You need to see the big picture and you need to come to a place where you begin to believe that God wants to work in your life. Amen, everybody. Let's pray. Right now, I just want to talk to those of you that are maybe far from God and just, just speak to you that right now your role, if you want to experience God's best, because right now you're hearing God wants to, 
He wants to experience, be in a relationship with you. He wants to fill that hole in your heart, in your life that only he can fill. That money, that sex, that booze, that drugs, that success, that all kinds of things want to fill that hole in your heart and have tried to and have just left you unsatisfied. God is the only thing that can satisfy that because God made that hole in your heart to be satisfied by him. Your creator wants to be in relationship with you. And right now you can do that. Your role here to experience the miracle of a relationship with our heavenly father is just to accept Jesus. That, that just means that you're gonna make him Lord of your life. It doesn't mean that you're gonna be perfect. It means that you're gonna pursue whatever he tells you to do. That you're gonna go step by step, day by day, moment by moment, following Jesus as best you can. And when you stumble, you're gonna ask for forgiveness and he's gonna give it to you. And you're gonna grow. And you're gonna become more like Jesus every day every moment with every decision. That's what a life of Jesus looks like, a life with Jesus looks like. It's a full and fulfilled life because as you're obedient to him, as you follow him, and you do that better together with us, as you do that, it leads to that, that blessed life that he's promised you, a full and fulfilled life here on this earth. So if you're ready for that, if you're ready to know God, to have your sins forgiven, to have a full and fulfilled life here on this earth in eternity, in heaven, pray this prayer with me right now. And before you do, click on your screen right now. If you're in our online campus, click the button that says, I'm raising my hand. I'm saying yes to Jesus right now. Please do that so that the rest of us can see because it tells us on our screens, one person's raising their hand, two person's raising their hand, three, 10, 20. Come on, click the button, be bold, do it now. Pray these words after me. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come into my life, be Lord. I'll follow you all my days as you show me how. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Now, Lord, I just want to pray for the rest of us in this moment and say, God, for the rest of us that, uh, that, we need, that we need your miracle power at work in our lives, Lord, show us what our role is as we ask that question, what is our role? Lord, help us to believe for your best, not for, what, for our best, not for what we know can happen through our experiences and through our frame uh, of uh, of life, Lord, but through your power that we begin to see things and expect your best. And then God, I pray that you would help us to see the big picture. Who do we need to share this miracle with? Who do we need to invite along the way? Who needs to know that your power is still available here on this earth so that their hearts would open up to a relationship with you? And God, I, I pray for some of us that we just begin, that, that need this specifically, that we begin, begin to believe that you want to be at work, that your power, you want your power to be at work in our lives in every area of it, Lord. And as we, as we respond to this, as we ask these questions, as you show us what we need to do, Lord, I pray that we would be boldly obedient to that so that you'll bless us on the other side of it. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word that challenges our hearts and our lives. We thank you for the people that have said yes to you today. God bless us in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, listen, if you prayed that prayer today and said yes to Jesus, all of heaven celebrating, we celebrate with you. Come on, guys, let's celebrate with people over here in the chat box. Tell them we are so proud of them for accepting Jesus today. For those of you that need prayer, you can still click that live prayer button or you can fill out a connect card. If you said yes to Jesus today, please fill out a connect card. That way we can make sure that you get a Bible. We'll ship one to you if you need one. Uh, and, uh, and, and we want to make sure that you understand all that we have available here for you. Or if you're not even in our area, we can help you get connected to a local church where you are. So we want to help you on your spiritual journey. We're here for that. So let us, let us help you in that. Now, as we prepare to wrap up our service today, this is an opportunity for you to uh, give of your tithes and your offerings. And there are ways to do that that are popping up 
on the screen right now. There they are. Hey, so you can mail in a check if you want to. You can give online through our app. There's also a give button here uh, in this above the chat box. You can click that. Or if you like to, you can text any dollar amount to 84321. Thank you for your faithfulness. We are uh, so, so thankful that uh, during these uncertain times, you realize we serve a certain God and your giving has been faithful and has been making a difference. Thank you so much. A couple things you want, I want to make sure you know before we say farewell for the week is that this Friday night is a kids variety show. And uh, you have until uh, June 22nd to sign up. But man, it is a variety show. We're going to do it on Zoom so everybody will be safe. And uh, we would just love to have a good time. Love have your kids sign up and be part of the show. So there is a link that is being shared right now, whether you're on Facebook or you are on uh, in our online campus. Make sure you just click that link and get your kids signed up. You've got until the 22nd to do it. And that'll be Friday night for that kids show. We're looking forward to the variety show. And then there is uh, a feeding program we started this past week. We have had a great time uh, getting connected to the community and getting this programming started. I've had a great time with the team members that have come out every night, but meeting the kids and feeding them. We've got kids that are coming back every day now to get meals. And uh, we are so thankful for the impact that we are having uh, to make there. So what that feeding program is, is that Monday through Friday from five uh, to six, we are on site. We serve from 5.30 to six. Um, but we arrive at five o'clock. We set up the giving or the, the feeding station, which is all prepackaged meals. Kids can come. There's nothing to refrigerate, and they get a free meal uh, right here in our community. It's a it's a partnership with the uh, Children's Hunger Alliance and the Dream the Columbus Dream Center. So we are super excited to do that Monday through Friday. You can sign up and you can help. We need two or three people every single day to do that. So please make sure that you do that. Uh, also, we're very excited about watch parties that are coming up in this uncertain environment. We are working on a plan to be able to return to church, but until then, we wanted to provide an opportunity for you to get together and fellowship. And so watch parties are uh, Sunday morning at 10, 12, or 6 p.m. You open your home and you let, of course, according to CDC guidelines, 10 people, only total 10 people, can come and watch the service together so that you guys can love one another, fellowship together, drink coffee, maybe even have a meal together. But Watch parties are coming very, very soon. Hopefully the first weekend in July, we'll get more information to you for that so you can get signed up for your watch party. All right, guys. Hey, listen, that's all we've got for you this week. Come back next week for another message in our summer series. God bless you. I love you. God loves you. We'll see you very, very soon.